We are starting a new series today called Watch Your Mouth. I don't know how many times my mom told me that. I was known to have a smart mouth. Anybody else have a smart mouth? Yes. And sadly, that trickles down and that gets passed through the, the, the genetics somehow um, because my oldest son has a little bit of a smart mouth. So we're, we're cutting that off a little bit. Um, a, a few years ago, um, my kids, um, uh, or, or I think Beckett, got uh, an infection or a bacteria or some kind of something they call hand, foot, mouth disease. And I was blown away that I'm like, that's a real thing? I just thought like foot mouth disease is like when I just stuck my foot in my mouth because I said something stupid. And, um, but this is, it's a real, it's a real deal. A disease, I guess they call it, hand, foot, mouth. Um, a virus, it's a virus? I thought they called it hand, mouth. I'm asking the doctor, is it a disease or a virus? It's a virus, see? I don't know anything. I'm putting my foot in my mouth already. Let me ask you, have you, ever, have you ever put your foot in your mouth? Anybody else ever have that foot mouth disease? Not hand foot mouth, but foot mouth disease? Does someone want to share like some really good like foot mouth? Anyone got one? Like a good one they can share? Anyone? Christy, you raised your hand. You got a good one you can share? No, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, it, it's like the classic. I remember one from when I was a kid, and this is like the worst one of all time. I... I was big in Yo Mama jokes. I don't know about your clan growing up, but we were all about the Yo Mama jokes. And the worst foot mouth problem to ever have is a Yo Mama joke with a new person that you haven't met and you drop the Yo Mama joke and they're like, yeah, my mom died five years ago, man, thanks. Like that's the worst one ever, at least for me. It was like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. Why Yo Mama jokes, I never did Yo Mama jokes again after that, because that's a bad one. Uh, maybe you've, uh, someone stuck their foot in the mouth around you, said something uh, silly, um, or, or maybe you've done that uh, to someone else. And it, it's, it's funny, it's one of those common things, and I, I want to really kind of drill deeper on that whole idea of what comes out of our mouth. It really says a lot about what's in our heart and, and we don't realize it, like we just, we, we don't realize it, but the, the mouth, I, I've been blown away as I've been preparing for this series over the past month or so, I've been blown away how rich the scriptures are on our tongue and our mouth, and so the next four weeks are going to be really, really powerful as we see how powerful this, this vessel we have that we use all the time um, is and, and really what it says about the condition of our heart. So I pray that God's going to do a real work in our heart and that, that what begins to come out of our mouth, like the song we just sang, is praise and is really, really uh, a big thing in our life. So let's look at Luke chapter 6. And Jesus says this statement, Luke chapter 6. He says this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings, out, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Extremely powerful. What's happening in our heart, it comes out. It comes out. And so I, I want to kind of take us down kind of two different paths today. One is, is I want us to first begin to assess what's coming out of our mouth. And really understand, because all of us probably have some different things because of the things going on in our heart, some different things going on um, in our hearts and, and out of our mouth. So I'm, I'm going to help you kind of like di- you know, diagnose that, if you will. And to do that, I'm really just going to look at one. The two verses before verse 
43, verses 41 and 42, we'll look at now. And Jesus says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take a speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he goes on to say, no good tree bears bad fruit. So that's, that's the context of what Jesus is talking about. And so what I wanted to lean into and talk about as a, a thing going on in our heart that comes out of our mouth is, is being judgmental or having a critical spirit, some would say. Um, because I think there's far too many of us that fall into this category. In fact, I'm, I'm sort of a perfectionist about a lot of things, and, and I've kind of gone through multiple transformation of that, and um, sometimes um, as a perfectionist, like what comes with that is we're, we're, we're really critical. We're really, we have a, a critical eye, and we're critical of, of a lot of things, and so I've kind of experienced a, a lot of growth in this area where uh, it's not judgmental, because what I've found is with criticism and with a critical spirit, which is really a negative attitude of the heart, that speaks out rebuke and discouragement and speaks death, basically, over other people um, from our lips. That's really what a critical spirit is. But the worst part about it, it, it not while we're attempting to entrap others or to take others down, what we really do is we trap ourselves in like a bondage of to this spirit, uh, this this critical spirit. And so I want to unpack that for us uh, and with us because that's really the context of what Jesus is doing. But I know across this room, maybe not everybody, don't, don't check yourself off yet, but maybe not everybody's dealing with a critical or a judgmental spirit, um, but that's something that Jesus brings regularly, but I want to deal with this one because that's the context. Maybe you're dealing, the stuff that's in your heart is fear or anxiety or lust. That's what's coming out of your mouth because of the things that are being said there. So I, as we talk through this, I want you to be processing really what's coming out of my mouth. What's really being said there? Maybe it, maybe it is a critical. Maybe it is a judgmental spirit. I, I'm running with this one because that's really where, where Jesus is launching from. So I, I want to talk about overcoming these things. And I think no matter what you're going through, I, I believe everything in, with the condition of our heart begins with this first point of repent and confess. It repents. Nothing's going to change unless I realize the error of my ways and I repent of those things. And I think repentance is a bit of a lost practice in the life of the believer. I think because grace is free, everybody hear me here, because grace is free, it's a gift. We, uh, we just like kind of take it and run through it. Um, and, and I don't think that we honor the Lord and, and what John the Baptist came to do, and, and we often run right past repentance. And, and repentance is not just saying sorry or feeling a little sorry, that's guilt, Repentance is, is looking at it and, and, and not taking on shame, because that's not from the Lord, not taking on condemnation. Repentance is, is looking at the sin and, and, and understanding the depth and tragedy of your heart in that, and then turning away from it. Repentance involves a turning from the sin. That doesn't mean we'll never commit that sin again, but we don't just settle into that, or we don't just bypass repentance and receive the grace of God, it's a part of it. It's kind of all in one, one basket, if you will. Um, and so that happens in kind of complex ways in all of our lives as we realize the sin in our life, as we realize the, 
the pride in our hearts. Um, so I, I think it begins with repentance and confession, and, and that repentance might, um, you know, to, to the Lord, and that confession might look like someone that you've been judgmental towards, you've been critical towards. And like I, I was saying, with this critical spirit, while you're kind of speaking out kind of this negative attitude, or maybe it's just in your head, and we'll talk about that here more in a second, maybe it's just in your head, as you're speaking that out, and you think that it's kind of projecting out there, but really, it brings your heart super captive. It really does. I, when I feel like I was at my most kind of critical t- um, spirit, I, I felt like I was the most lonely, too. Because my criticism of everyone else was actually trapping. And what I really had, what the, the deepest rooted issues was pride. And nothing will break down pride and bring freedom in your life over a critical spirit or anything else than confessing that, right? Than saying, I'm sorry, I have hurt you. I made a mistake. Like we, our society is all about passing the blame. I mean, come on, this is everywhere. Like everybody's all about passing the blame and part of receiving the grace of God is, is understanding that we are flawed and we are sinful. And freedom, God has come, that redemption, that freedom, it, that we might be free, we might understand it and receive it and walk in the truth of his love comes through repentance and confession. I'm not bringing a ton of scriptures on here because I've got a lot more I want to get to, but there's tons of scriptures on repentance and confession, um, as, as I know most of you know. Repent and confess. Uh, the second thing is is become an encourager. This, is, this was a major shift for me because with the critical spirit, I was kind of, um, I looked down on other people. I thought more highly of myself, and most of the time I was covering up pain uh, and needed encouragement in my life. And so I, I discouraged other people, right? You know, what we, what we lack, we end up kind of projecting onto other people. So I was lacking encouragement, so I was giving people discouragement to make myself feel a little better. But this was a major transformation as I really understood this. And I think this is like, the best way I can put this is to put one foot in front of the other. What's the song? You just put one foot in front of the other. Was that like a Christmas song? Yeah, it's off one of those Christmas movies. Somebody was talking about Christmas music, listening to it all day yesterday. So hooray for Christmas season coming. Um, but you just put one, I think with becoming encouragement, you begin to speak life out. Look at what this, what this passage says right here, Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, where when our thoughts are pure, like right thinking and right actions is the simplest definition of righteousness. So right thinking and right actions, as God defines them, not as I define them. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. There's just, the, the, my mouth is just going to flow with life, and so I speak that encouragement into other people, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. I'm wishing ill harm on other people, speaking down or being critical of them. So become an encourager, I think it is a way to, to do it. And again, it's a part of the heart process. process. So it's not a matter of just practicing it. Um, because here's the thing, like Jesus said, that, like a good tree will bear good fruit. And, and I think in our kind of religious era, and it, or, or for those of in the house that are, are people pleasers, we know how to tell people what they want to hear, right? We, we know how to to make things sound good, even when that's not how we feel. So I think in that process, allowing God into that process and saying, God, I don't totally feel like encouraging this person. I don't totally want to. 
Um, but God, I know that you're calling me to be an encourager. I know that you are challenging me and you are pruning parts of my heart that I would speak life into other people. And so I allow God into that process because here's the thing. Most of us, what a lot of us do when it comes to encouragement, it's just fake fruit. It's just fake fruit. And people can tell the difference, not just the good and the bad fruit, but they can tell fake fruit. And fake fruit isn't good fruit. It's not substantive. It's not really there because our heart's not really in it. So don't offer fake fruit, but let God into the process of, 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 of building up in us to be an encourager. This has been a dramatic shift in my life. And I know when I'm becoming more selfish, I'm not encouraging as much. Um, when I'm becoming more critical, I'm not encouraging. And so you can overcome that. You can defeat that by constantly looking for the good in others to, uh, to, to say that. If that's somebody's shoes, my, my wife is such an encourager. She has the gift of encouragement. She truly does. And so every baby we ever walk by, she's like, oh, you're so cute. Right? And, and that's somewhat of a, 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 a women's thing to do. But the way she does it is so like heartfelt, and I'm like, just stop talking to people. Like I'm just like a I'm a I'm a um, introvert, and I just want to kind of do my thing. And she like just starts up conversation, or every like woman she'll pass by, she just like, hey, I love your shoes, I love your belt, like stuff that like nobody pays attention to. Like she draws attention to and just speaks life. And, and so many of you have probably experienced her doing that in your life. That's a part of her gifting. And so it's one thing for it to be a gifting where it's just kind of over and above. But for all of us as believers, God's called us to encourage one another and to be devoted to that encouragement. So that's another way to uh, uh, overcome a critical spirit. Third thing is to speak up in love. I think when we have a critical spirit, um, God, can, God can refine that because sometimes it's because we're seeing things. Um, some things, it, it's, it's things we shouldn't be focused on right? We shouldn't be focused on someone's appearance. We shouldn't be focused on, you know, whatever, you know, other kind of petty things we find ourselves being judgmental or critical over. Um, but sometimes there's real things that God has, has given us discernment and a critical eye and that we're called to as believers to speak the truth in love. And so I, I think where we could just kind of like um, kind of cut off every bit of words that come out of our mouth, like, oh, can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. But in that process, we learn to speak up. We learn to still use what God has spoken to us. So if, if it's a positive thing, it's a biblical thing, a theological thing, uh, a word of encouragement in life, and we learn to speak up in love and not hold that back. And so I wanted to throw that in there because I think some of us that have a critical eye, that have, uh, maybe we are seeing things, maybe in, in someone's, maybe it's a, a real spiritual issue, uh, maybe it's a real character issue. Maybe it's a real problem we see in the way they communicate to others. God's called us to speak up and, and speak those things in love. So, so don't kind of shut it all out. And then the last thing I'd say here, just overcoming, you, you'll think it, it's just duh. But it's powerful in how it transforms us is to pray. Is not only to, to, to pray for God's help, but to pray for that person. It's really hard to be critical over someone that you are bathing in prayer. Right? Because when you're praying, you're not praying for the worst for someone. If you are, like, that's going to be rough for you. Go, go read the few verses before Luke chapter 6, and Jesus says, the measure by which you judge other people, it will be measured, you know, it'll be judged to you. Like, so just read those few verses before there. It's kind of heavy-handed on that, and that's Jesus talking. So pray, pray for God's help in this process, that you can't do it on your own. This isn't a matter of behavior modification. It's allowing God in and beginning to, to pray and speak life 
over the people around us. You can't keep going with that critical spirit um, while also praying for their good and for their benefit. Um, and, and that's challenging. That's challenging. We start feeling like we get down to, you know, what Jesus said in, in Matthew 5 of loving your enemies, right? And I think we all love the idea of that. We love that kind of deep love, but the practice of that on someone that's getting on our nerves or someone we're constantly criticizing, man, when, when I begin to put all of these things in tandem and repent and confess, and I, I really begin to speak encouragement into that person and other people, and, and find the opportunities, find maybe the real things that I am supposed to be focused on, that I am supposed to be speaking the truth in love, uh, and then begin to bathe that, that person or that situation in a prayer. And God works it out, and God does such, prayer not only changes the things, but it change, the, the situation, it changes who we are, it changes the, the, the stature and um, the, the, the posture of our heart. And so pray for them, pray for them, pray for God's help in this process. So you, Critical spirit may be your kind of thing that you're hearing coming out of your mouth. Maybe not. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's fear or anxiety or, or um, maybe it's frustration or real pain. Uh, I don't know what, what's totally going on there, but I, I know that God can do a work in here. And I believe that whatever it is, it begins with repentance and confession and it ends with prayer. Like I think all those are, those are in there. And so I think there's unique you know, um, overcoming things within each of those, but I think repentance and confession and prayer are, are just at the heart of all of it. So uh, I, I want to kind of pivot for just a second. And so, okay, hopefully, like, you've been able to think through and be like, okay, so this is maybe what's coming out of my mouth. This is the critical thing that, 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 that's flowing out. So maybe this is going on in my heart and begin to pray over those and look over those things. So now I want to kind of pivot and look at what it means to guard your heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, above, above everything else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it, or this translation says, for it's a wellspring of life, right? Just recently, uh, here in, I think it was like North St. John's, the water was bad, so you couldn't get it. I mean, that, that water that comes out, out of the, the hose or the spigot or the, um, the faucet, whatever that comes out of there. That's, that's our mouth, right? That's our heart. It's all flowing from there. So when we open that, if there's bad inside there, it's all going to come out. So it's basically saying the same thing in a different way. But it says this phrase to us, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And so I want to unpack that a little bit for us. And, and the scriptures, like I said, are so rich. And so we're going to continue to dive into them. I think guarding our heart begins with knowing the truth. It begins with knowing the truth. And, and we live in, in such an era now where the truth is uh, so highly debated. It is, even within the church. Um, and the truth, and, and what's so funny, like what's the uh, website out there called Snopes? Is it called Snopes? Is that what it's called? Right? When you see a hoax about Jaden Smith committing suicide or you know, Danny DeVito, whatever the, the hoax is, you go to Snopes. Is that, is that the website? Am I wrong? Yeah. You, you go, to, go to Snopes and you find out what's the truth because they've done all this research about what the truth is. And truth, it's, there's such a battle for truth. And how do we know the truth in our life? And it's through the word of God. And in guarding our heart, if we, if we don't truly have the word of God in our life, um, then what's, what are we basing that off of? Are we running to Snopes about it? Or are we getting off, off of just a bunch of real random parts when 
God's given us access to the truth in Christ and the Holy Spirit um, and, and through the Word of God. And, and so, uh, let's read the scripture and then I'll, I'll, I'll mention what I was going to mention. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Like God's, God has given us His Word to, to pave it out, to surround and protect us with His truth and to light the path so that we don't walk in darkness anymore. Um, I love cheesecake, uh, and I, I really do. I love lots of sweets you'll hear me talk about regularly. It's an easy illustration for me because I love food. Um, so I love cheesecake, but if you before I had cheesecake, if you would have told me that um, if you were describing cheesecake to me, and I have not tasted it, I would only be able to give a poor description of how it tasted, right? I could say it's creamy, but I don't really know necessarily the texture, and I can't really fully grasp it. Or if maybe you had some, and like you were chewing it, and you're like, oh, this cheesecake's good, and like, you want a bite? And, like, yeah, and you just regurgitated it. That's really gross. I know, gross image. But you regurgitated it, and then I tried it. I would have a really nasty, gross description of what cheesecake is. I wouldn't know, like, that fresh-cut, big old piece from Cheesecake Factory, like, cut. It's just come out of the fridge, and it's, like, perfect. I know everybody's hungry, ready to go to Cheesecake Factory now. Um, I wouldn't be able to describe it in detail, or my, dis- my description would be all jacked up. But if I were to try that piece of cheesecake all for myself, like, the descriptions and my understanding of the quality of that cheesecake and how it's enriching my soul in that very moment. Uh, that's not an illustration. That's, like, for real. Like, it's, it's what it feels like to me. Um, I, I would be able to describe it fully because I had tasted and I had seen for myself. I would have known the truth for myself. And maybe, maybe God's word has been scary for you. Maybe the Bible has been scary for you. Maybe as a child it was kind of shoved down your throat, read the Bible or you're going to hell, or maybe something like that. Um, but man, I, I want to encourage you to don't just start at Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of man. Take two t- steps back and see that this plan for God, from uh, God's plan from the very beginning is love and redemption from the very beginning, that he had a plan in this. Don't just start at, at, at Paul's instructions for the church, and you hear to a very immature church, and he's constantly just like just helping them grow up, and it's a pastoral letter of his, to his people that he knows personally. Don't just start there. Get back and get the Gospels and understand that Jesus lived and died and was resurrected for your good, for my benefit, that we might know freedom, we might know life to the fullest. That's, that's the word of God. It, it's full and it's rich. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So if you want to take the next step in, in Christ, the word of God is going to help you do that. And, and, and that's where it begins. And knowing the truth in our life is the first place to be able to, to guard our heart. How, how are you going to fight off the attacks of the enemy if you're not able to uh, defend that with the sword of the Spirit, which is often referred to um, for the Bible? And so we've got to know the truth for ourselves. I've been through seasons in my life where the only thing that was getting me through that season was knowing the Word of God and knowing the Scripture because it was just a constant battle and it was a constant attack. And that's a, a little bit what... Uh, this next verse that we're going to look at. So, so know the truth, and, and then secondly, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Let's look at this text in 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, 
with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, against the truth of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Just that last phrase, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Man, for, for some people, like the idea of spiritual warfare is a little bit far-fetched and a little bit difficult to grasp. Um, for many of you, it's not because you've lived it and like you've experienced like real just kind of turmoil and battle for the deeper things of your heart uh, and wanting to give in and, and fighting that. And, and this beautiful phrase of, of we take every thought, uh, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ is so powerful when we read it, it's even way more powerful when we live it. When we can truly, as, we, as, the, as the enemy like, speaks a lie, and the enemy loves to lie to you, if he can get you to believe a lie, then he's winning. Um, as we begin to believe the lies, even when we know the truth, but we, 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 we buy in and we're deceived, um, we, we begin down a path that, that just kind of rolls. And so what the instructions are here from Paul is to take those thoughts captive. And like, don't let just things just go on and on. Like, run that through the filter of God's word. Take it captive. Don't, don't allow those things to go forward um, and then make it obedient to Christ. That's such a powerful thought. Um, so if, if that's um, insecurity that, that you're constantly battling against, you need to take that thought captive. If that's a lustful thought that you cannot get away from, you need to take that thought captive and quit being passive and how it's affecting your spirit and affecting your heart. That's guarding your heart. It's moving away from the defensive and towards the offensive. I, I watch, I'm a big Gators fan. And so um, if anybody saw the game yesterday, the first half was amazing. It was 21 to nothing, like early in the game. And we were killing it. It looked like a top 10 team. And by the second, by the end of the game, we were down like 17 points. And we, they, they scored like 38 unanswered points against the Gators. And I was like, it was like the tail of two halves. I'm like, what in the world? And uh, in the second half, we couldn't do anything offensively. Um, and we were on defense the entire, entire half. And I leaned over to, to someone I was watching the game with. I said, man, if they could just stay on offense a little longer, it would slow it down and give the defense a break. We get worn down when we're constantly playing defense. We get worn down when we're constantly playing defense. And some of us, spiritually, that's all we do, is we're just playing defense. And, and going on the offense is taking the thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. Flora's defense is worn down yesterday, and some of us, spiritually, were worn down because we're constantly on the defensive because we don't know the truth. We don't know the word of God. We're not, we're not leaning into our, our, our walk with the Lord in prayer and in worship and, and in reading God's word. And for that, it, it's a slippery slope and we're worn down. So if you're worn down, start with knowing the truth. Take those thoughts captive and don't give in to fear, to shame, to insecurity, to lust, whatever it, it may be that you're up against. Um, uh, take that thought captive. Uh, the third thing I, I think is a powerful thing, and, and this scripture is just amazing, um, that we're going to look at in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Um, but have godly company around you. Have godly company around you. Surround yourself with godly company. 
um, this journey of, of starting this church and planting this church has it's had many ups and downs, and um, in some of those it has just been really intense spiritual battles. And in one of those seasons, probably um, a year ago, um, yeah, about a year ago, right now actually, um, it, it was the toughest financial time in the life of our church. It was it was it was like what in the world just happened. Um, we were having, like, we, you guys, some of you will remember, we had, like, six weeks with no air conditioning. We had, like, $20,000 worth of air conditions that we had to fix, and it was just crazy. And, um, and we were just praying. We were praying for a breakthrough and praying for, for God to, to show himself strong, and we were just hanging on. We were just honestly hanging on spiritually. Myself, personally, probably more than anybody else. I think everybody else, most, most people didn't know totally about the, the pressures of it, but I did. And um, I was hanging on, and I was, I knew the truth, right? And I was proclaiming the truth. I know the promises that God said, and I, I know the vision that he's placed, and I know where we're, we're going and what God's doing in us. And I see the good fruit in each of your lives as, as we're developing and growing together. Um, but I was just, I knew the truth, and I feel like I was trying to take thoughts captive. I'm like, I know that's a lie. I can't deal with it. And um, I, I, I told someone that actually called me and was like speaking life and speaking encouragement, uh, was doing that very thing in me. And, um, and it was tough. I, I'd say, I, I'm like, you know, I've preached that. I've preached that to myself for the past month. I've said that to, to myself for the past month. And, 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 and now hearing it from you, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of helping break down kind of the hardness of that message, if that makes sense. Where I had, sometimes we grow so close to a scripture, we say it over ourselves so many times, Hearing it from someone else and what the battle we've been fighting is what we need to take the next step and to break through that, that particular battle that we're facing. So the importance of surrounding yourself with godly company who may just save you at some point. I love what this passage says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I'm going to start to land the ship here in a minute. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not broken. I love how he's constantly talking about two, and then he always he immediately switches to three, and he's talking about the presence of God in our relationships, in godly relationships. I truly believe that's what he's saying here. And so surrounding ourselves with, with godly company, look at, look at through the text of what it says there. It, it brings redemption and helping one another up and encouragement. It brings comfort and warmth of relationships uh, and, 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 and fighting and in fighting the battle so uh, that we might not be overpowered, but we can, we can defend uh, one another and fight for one another. I think many of us, we look for people that we could trust. We look for people that we would my dad used to say, you want somebody that you can go to battle with and you can go back to back with and you don't have to watch your back because they're watching yours. The armor of God description that we find in, in Ephesians is uh, very, very powerful in all these aspects of our life, but the one part that's susceptible is our back and that's because we're supposed to be watching each other's back. We're supposed to be guarding one another's back um, in this battle together of this spiritual warfare and so if guarding our heart is, is knowing the truth, it's taking those thoughts captive, and it, it's surrounding ourselves with godly people who are going to speak life into us, who are going to speak encouragement. And, 
and I don't know what that looks like. And I think, kind of going back to the critical thing, when I'm the most critical, I'm the most lonely. Um, I'm the most lonely, and I think, and the opposite of that is when I'm being intentional about our, my relationships, uh, I, feel, I feel warm, I feel protected, I feel like I could call that, but I'm, one of the things that we've, we've tried to stri- strike a delicate balance in our personal lives is allowing God to do organic things, but to be intentional about it and not just wait on everything. And so I, I think part of what that looks like is praying for godly friendships and then watching God bring those. It's praying and then taking advantage of the opportunity, but don't pray for that opportunity. Don't pray for that person in your life, and then when they get there, you're not willing to to dive in because of fear or whatever other reasons or trust issues. So we we pray for those things. We got to be ready to walk through the door. Scriptures say, you know, knock and and the door will be open to you. You know, seek and you'll find. Taste and see that the Lord's good. So um, there's so much to that. But surround yourself with godly company. And do real life with one another. I think it, it can happen organically, but it also happens intentionally. Of intentionally seeking out people that that bring life into you. And then lastly, again, it, it may be um, obvious, but I think the text of this scripture of why I want to bring it back: submit everything to the Lord in prayer. Like Kyle, why you got two two points today about prayer? I know. Um, and we're gonna pray with one another here in just a moment. Uh, But look at what this text says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. Check that out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times. I never caught the guard your hearts part of the peace of God, because I... because I trust in God, and when I bring things to prayer in Him, you know, to Him, when I submit those things to Him, uh, it brings a peace that guards my heart. When I'm not bringing things to the Lord, it, I'm I'm basically saying I can do this on my own. I got this figured out. I remember being at one of our board meetings here at the church, and I was going around like, "Hey guys, what's going on? What do you want to pray about?" And this one guy said, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm just, I, I'm, I've been a, a, cast care, or, or a, a care caster on the Lord for, you know, 30 years. He said, I just bring it to the Lord. I just bring it to the Lord. And so, and so many times I think we can take that as just like an easy way out. Well, I prayed about it. Now God can deal with it. And, no, you know, the reality is that we have to still walk through those, those doors and we have to walk through those difficult situations that we might have. But there's something power, powerful about this. We bring it to the Lord. There's peace in that. And knowing that he's going to take care of us, knowing that he's going to provide, knowing that he's going to open the door, he's going to light the path and make it straight. Um, and there's a peace in that. And that guards our hearts from all the other stuff that goes in. So again, I don't know what's coming out of your mouth. I, I, I don't know maybe the posture of your heart right now or maybe the battles that are waging in your mind or your heart. Um, but I know this, this vessel here, this mouth, it says a lot about what's going on in our heart. And I know God's wanting to, to lean in to this morning. I, I know that, that he's, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so if you're, you're here and you're maybe feeling distant from the Lord, like he's, he's ever present, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. 
And so he's not running from you, despite what you might feel or think. He's not running from you. He's, 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 he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's, he's made a place at the table for you. Um, and let's open our hearts. Let's let him do a new work in us today. I want to ask you to stand. And I actually want you to find at least three people around you. Maybe you want four or five people, just maybe in your section there. Just find... Find some people close to you, and, and we're going to say a word of prayer together. And I want to I pray maybe over these things that we need to take captive, because a three-strand cord is not easily broken. I want us to, to, to unite in prayer uh, this morning. And so gather around. Go ahead. Gather around some people around there. Um, but I want us to recite this scripture together. We don't do this a lot, um, but I think this is, this is a particularly powerful one. The college that Taryn and I graduated from uh, at our university, this is our president, uh, it's his favorite scripture, and so every time um, we would get together, he would have everyone recite this scripture. And so I want us to read it together um, this morning and recite it together. Let's say it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Say it one more time together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Maybe that's just going to be your prayer. I'm going to say that one over and over again this week. God, let the words that's coming out of my mouth, let the meditations of what's happening in my heart just be pleasing in your sight. Let me pray over you, and then Jackie's going to invite us. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the people in this room, God, that are hungry to see your face, that are hungry for more of your presence, that are hungry to live up to this great calling that you've given us, God, just a life worthy of that calling. I pray that we'd walk in it, purify, refine, prune the parts of our heart, God, even when it's painful for us. Um, prune them, God, because you know. You know what you're doing, and we trust in you, and we rest in that. We bring everything to you this morning. I pray that you'd bring great freedom in Christ's name. Amen.